3, the Lord began to deal with me to speak to you and declare to you all those that are connected with this ministry, all those that are a part of this church family, that the year 2023 is a year of breakthroughs and blessings. Breakthroughs and blessings. We took the first Sunday of the new year to talk about breakthroughs. The second Sunday we talked about blessing, the blessing, blessings, plural, and what it means to bless. Um, all that information is uh, free. It's online. You can listen to it. If you didn't hear that, I encourage you to listen to it. Uh, if you did hear it, listen again. It'll bless you. And then, of course, on the third Sunday of the new year, we started to uh, minister the fact that if we're going to have these breakthroughs and blessings manifested, then we will need some breakthroughs in our faith. The faith that you have is producing what you have. So if you want to go further and you want to enjoy more of what God has in store for you, then it's essential that we would have some breakthroughs in faith. And to study this particular subject, and today this third installment of this one, uh, we have turned to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. So if you'll open your Bible there to Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll start with the very first verse. And we are drawing from three different translations in order to... Uh, uh, give you scripture uh, along the way as we continue the teaching. The first one is the CEV. We're looking at the King James Version and also the Amplified Bible. So uh, from time to time, we'll move back and forth between these different versions. But the CEV is where I want to start today with Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, faith makes us sure. So notice no maybe, if, ands, or buts about it. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. Faith makes us sure. And faith gives us irrefutable evidence or proof of what we cannot see. So we see some things immediately that we need to understand about faith. Number one, faith deals with that which is not seen. If you can see it, if your senses can sense it in any way, you don't need faith for that. But if it's not seen yet, if it's not manifested yet, then it's going to take some faith to bring it from the spiritual dimension, the realm where God is, Every good gift and perfect gift comes from above, James 1.17, to bring it down here into this realm where we are living. And the word here speaks about hope. Now, we've defined hope as being a desire that's possible, a desire that is possible. But as good as hope is, without faith, without this assurance, without this proof, without this evidence, without this spiritual substance called faith, Without faith, hope has no assurance that it'll ever be fulfilled. And so it's important that we understand that faith takes us beyond the realm of hope, beyond the realm of the goal. You know, you may want a lot of things, and they may be good things. And you, you may want some of the things that God wants for you, and all that's wonderful. But it's not going to happen without your cooperation. I know that there's a school of thought in religious circles that 
since God is God and he is sovereign, that he basically is in charge of everything and whatever he wants is what's going to happen and you don't really have much of anything to do with it. Well, um, the thing about that is, is that there's a real problem with that in that you then have to believe that God must want bad things to happen. God must be sending people to hell. God must be killing people. God must be willing that people are raped, murdered, and all the rest. No, we know that that's not true because Jesus, the perfect picture of the Father, told us that it was the thief, he was referring to the devil, John 10.10, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so anything that steals, anything that kills, and anything that destroys is not from God. And the quicker you can get that settled in your mind and get all those theological, religious cobwebs swept out of your mind and just take it very simply like Jesus taught it. You know, Jesus didn't complicate things. Nobody was smarter. But look how simple, but yet powerful his teaching was. And so we need to stick with that. And we just need to stick with what Jesus says. Amen? And so as we know that and do that, what we realize is that I have a part to play. If I'm going to have God's best, then I'm going to have to uh, receive his word, and I'm going to have to act on his word. And really that is another way of defining faith. Faith is a spiritual force. Faith is spiritual. It's not natural. It's not a product of anything natural. And there's only one way that it comes and that's Romans 10, 17, by hearing the word of God. Everybody's read that, haven't you? Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith doesn't come by praying for it. Faith doesn't come by fasting for it. Faith doesn't come uh, any other way but by hearing the word of God. There is a spiritual gift, one of the nine gifts of the spirit, one of the power gifts, along with the working of miracles and gifts of healings, is the gift of faith, but that's given by the Holy Spirit to believe beyond even what we could see with our natural. That would be the faith that was used when someone was raised from the dead, for instance, because there's no scripture that you know just tells you that that you can just you know use your faith and prayer, prayer petition, and you know that's going to make it all. That's going to make the dead raise. You got to have something extra, amen. You'd have to have the gift of faith in operation. Daniel had the gift of faith. In the lion's den. How many people do you know that could be thrown into a den of hungry lions? We know they were hungry because as soon as the next group got thrown in, they were eaten. And uh, how many people do you know that could be thrown into a den of hungry lions and sleep? Much less come out alive unscathed. Well, how did he have that kind of faith? Was there any scripture he could look to? Old Testament scripture that said, Thou shalt sleep all night in a den of lions? No, no. But he knew his God, and God sustained him. And so the point I'm making is regular faith, the faith that we deal with day by day by day by day, the faith we're talking about we want breakthroughs in, comes by hearing the word of God. Now the second verse uh, is uh, important to us. It says, because of, um, I'm sorry, it was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. And so we understand that uh, uh, the King James actually says that they had a good report. Faith always has and faith always gives a good report. So anything you're whining about, you're not in faith about. Anything you're complaining about, you're not in faith about. 
Anything you're, you're ordering a conversation in such a way as to solicit the sympathy of other people, to make them feel sorry for you, you're not in faith about that. The thing about faith is it's tough. It's not fragile. It's tough because it comes from God himself. And God is not a wimp. And God is not afraid of anything. And God isn't concerned if he's going to make it or if he can do what he said. All of that with God is settled. And when you understand that that is true for you because you trust in God, then you don't have to be afraid anymore either, praise the Lord. And so it was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Now in, a, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, there is the phrase, by faith, I'm talking about in the King James Bible, there's the phrase by faith or through faith. Those, those two phrases are used about 20 times in one chapter. And when you get to verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and, notice you, there's more, not just believing in God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And we talked last week about what diligently seeking God looks like. But what I want you to understand and remind you of today is that you have to know that there are two areas where God is concerned that you must exercise faith in. You've got to believe. Number one, that God is, and number two, that he's a rewarder. And I know that getting your mind around the idea of God as a rewarder sometimes is difficult for people because we've had so much glorification, if you will, of poverty. We've had so much uh, even in our song life in the church world and hymn life in the church, I'm not saying all of them, but there's just so much stuff about, you know, uh, kind of glorifying being broke, busted, disgusted, kind of glorifying the sorrow side and, and, and magnifying the tears side. Anybody ever remember a song here? I wonder like a beggar through the heat and the cold and my burdens are so heavy. Lord, my sorrows are untold. But to Jesus, I'm clinging. Let me hide myself in thee. Well, you know, it's like you can't ever just say, I'm clinging to Jesus. Let's have church. It's like, you know, religion just can't say, I believe that God is a good God and I believe that he'll do what he said and I believe his word is true and I'm standing on his word and I expect a miracle. If you get out there, people think, oh, no, you've gone crazy. You've lost your mind. No, you went over to the other side. Don't you know that's not, that's not what, you know, Grandma believed. That's not what, you know, Uncle so-and-so believed. I mean, they're buried out here in the churchyard. Well, if they were, if they were, they are buried there, but if they did go to heaven, I'm not saying they didn't, but if they made it to heaven, you know what they found out? that they were wrong about some of that stuff. I believe heaven must have lots of classrooms. You know, when you get to heaven, it's not like all of a sudden you become as smart as God. We'll never be smart as God. We're going to be learning all through eternity. And I'll tell you, some people go to heaven and they just barely get in. They're in kindergarten. 
And you can just imagine maybe some old saint of old standing up and saying, this is a Bible. You know, like Vince Lombardi, the old NFL coach, you know, always held up and said, this is a football. You can imagine maybe some angel in heaven saying, this is a Bible. You know that thing that you didn't ever fully read when you were on the earth? Remember that thing that, that you, you memorized two verses, Jesus wept. <laughs> and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, uh, this is the word of God. And walk us through. I believe God has a better information retrieval system than any computer system on the face of the earth. I mean, it's amazing what, what can be done now with computers. But can you imagine when you get to heaven and we see the instant replay of the parting of the Red Sea? Amen. Can you imagine when we get to heaven and, uh, and we see those great stories we see Naaman coming up out of the River Jordan for the seventh time, and he's cleansed of all his leprosy. When you see the walls of Jericho falling down, when you see these great and mighty things, God's got it all there. It's all there. And I'm sure in heaven there's going to be some great lessons we're going to learn. But I have made up my mind that I don't want to go to heaven and have to go into the kindergarten level. I'd like to at least make it another level or two. I want to know some things about this now because the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our pathway. It is something that will always produce faith. And if you will dare to believe it, God will dare to make it good. Amen. And so we've got to understand that, that to, to please God, we have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Now let me say this to you this, this morning, that that means that unbelief becomes a real problem. Look at your neighbor and say, unbelief is a real problem. It is not just a weakness. You may have grown up in a family of skeptics. You may have grown up in a family where they never accepted anything until somebody told them for the 40th time. You may have grown up in a family where they sat down and they watched, you know, what used to be the news once a day or something, and they would watch it and say, I don't believe that. I don't think so. You know, sometimes Glenna will show me things that she sees online or tells things, and I'll say, I don't think so. You know, just a, like a typical old man answer. Sometimes I just like to razz her a little bit, you know. I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't true. A lot of stuff that just isn't right. But God's Word is always true. It's always right. And so the greatest compliment you can ever pay to God, if you're interested in pleasing God, you're interested in, in how God feels and how, what God thinks about you. The greatest compliment you'll ever please God is to believe him fully based on his word. And on the other side of that coin, the greatest insult you'll ever give to God is to not believe him. Unbelief is not a problem. Unbelief is evil. I want to give you a reference for that today, and that's found over in the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. It speaks of the people of Israel who refused to go into the promised land as having an evil heart of unbelief. So God doesn't view unbelief as a weakness. He doesn't view it as a character flaw. He says it's evil. Now what do you think is evil? I mean, just think for a minute. If, if somebody were to ask you today, 
uh, come up to you, you know, like the man on the street interview or at the mall or at a restaurant as you go in. They put a microphone in your face and say, would you tell us what you consider evil? I would almost guarantee you that out of a thousand people they would ask, almost none would say unbelief. People would say murder, rape, incest, uh, stealing, all, you know, they would say all those things that are evil, they are wrong, all those things we would think of, but almost nobody really looks at unbelief the way God does. And so that's why I'm taking a little time with this because this is so important. We've got to get over that hurdle, the hurdle of unbelief. Do you know all fear is wrapped up in unbelief? All fear is wrapped up in unbelief because if you're truly, fully believing God, then you're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of the weather. You're not afraid of, of demons. You're not afraid of people. You're not afraid of death. You're not afraid of anything because the power of faith is an overcoming power. Praise the Lord. And so there are two kinds of unbelief. We pointed this out last time, but I just have to take my time and do what the Spirit of the Lord is leading us to do. <laughs> there are two types of unbelief. You need to be cautious about both. One is the unbelief of ignorance. I didn't say stupidity. I just mean that we don't know. Because we understand that faith begins where the will of God is known. If faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, then anything from the word you're not hearing, you don't have faith for. And by the way, that's very important to point out, faith is always a current commodity, if I can use that term. It's a current spiritual force. It's not what you believed 12 years ago. It's what do you believe today. You're living today. Your faith manifests today, meaning you are believing what you're hearing, continuous present tense. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17. That's a continuous present tense verb. So it's not just saying, well, I know that. I heard that. Yeah, I believe that. No, no, it's more. What are you hearing? What are you hearing others say? So be careful who you give your ears over to. And most of all, what are you hearing you say? Jesus, you know, taught, well, um, James actually taught us that, that there's no fountain that can bring forth sweet water and bitter water at the same time. In other words, uh, there has to be a consistency in order for something to be useful. And so even your own mouth you need to clean it up. I don't mean just quit cussing and swearing. That's obviously you need to do that. But your own mouth needs to be speaking the word of God because unbelief is not just a problem. Unbelief is evil. There are two kinds of unbelief I pointed out. One is the ignorance of the word. Number two is a failure, an unwillingness really is a better term. It's an unwillingness to act on the word of God. Now that's what Hebrews 3.12 is referring to that happened to the children of Israel. It wasn't that they were ignorant. It wasn't that they didn't know the will of God. It was that they would not act on the word of God. Remember, they said, they're giants in the land of Canaan. And we are, they said, now, now think about this. They went in and spied out the land. They saw the giants. They saw the good things too. They came back. All of them but two were afraid, didn't want to go in. And they said, we are in their sight as grasshoppers. Well, wh where did that come from? Because there's no scriptural evidence that anybody ever told them, you're a grasshopper. 
they just assumed because there were some giants there that that's who they were. They had what we might call a grasshopper mentality. I hope you don't have one. I hope you don't see yourself as, as the little bug being stepped on, walked on by the devil. But I hope you see yourself as you really are in Christ more than a conqueror. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, healed by his stripes, with all your needs met, with an abundance and every grace abounding towards you that you may be uh, able to give in all things. All those kinds of areas of life that are important to us, God has made provision for. These people that were bound by unbelief, they saw themselves in a negative way. They saw themselves unlike God did. And therefore, you know what they had? They had what they said. They said, we're not able. And you know what? They never did. The only two who said we are well able was Joshua and Caleb. And you know what? They did it. They went in. At 85 years of age, Caleb went to Joshua and he said, remember those 40 years ago? There was a mountain promised to me and I want my mountain. And Joshua reminded him, he said, they're, they're Anakin, the, the sons of Anak are there, meaning there's some giants there. And Caleb told him, I'm well able. At 85 years of age, he was still a man of faith. So, you know, it's not God that's deciding how well you're going to do. He's already decided to bless your socks off. You're deciding with your faith what you're going to take or what you're going to do without. And so this kind of unbelief, when you know the truth, and you know God is true, but you just choose not to do it, is an insult to God. You can offer God no greater insult than to not believe what he said. Because there is nobody that has ever been more truthful than God. There's nobody more holy. There's nobody more honest. There's nobody more righteous than God. And for us, mere humans, to tell him, I don't know if you'll do what you said, is an insult to him. And he considers it evil. So it's, it's very important. Now, we're going to move to what will be probably the last part of our message today. And uh, that's going back to verse number 3. Are you with me this morning? You know, this is a little different. We're kind of moving slowly, and, and you're awfully quiet. Amen. Yeah, processing. That's better than sleeping. You know, like the preacher was preaching away and doing his thing, and he kept noticing this guy. He kept nodding off and nodding off, and he finally, the guy was sitting there asleep, and he went over, and there was a person sitting beside him, and he said, would you wake him up? And the guy said, you're the one that put him to sleep. So... So, but just be merciful. If somebody goes to sleep, just kind of nudge him for me. I don't, I don't want to have to wake him up. Verse number three. Because of our faith. I'm reading again from the CEV. Because of our faith, we know. Notice, faith, verse one, faith makes us sure. Verse three, because of our faith, we know. Say, I know. I, know. I saw uh, an advertisement for a, 
a shirt. I think I need to buy that for some of these guys around here in church who do so much. It says, I know stuff and I do things. <laughs> Amen. Because of our faith, we know that the world was made at God's command. We also know that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. There's where you leave the majority of humans on the planet. They just don't believe in that which they can't see. The world has a saying, seeing is believing. You heard that, haven't you? Probably all your life. Seeing is believing. And I, I understand the context of that. If you're dealing with somebody that is not honest and they tell you something and you, as we say, take it with a grain of salt. And for that person, you have to put them on the list. Seeing is believing. But why would anybody put God on that list? Why would you put God on the same list with your habitual lying cousin? Or the person you work with that's always stabbing people in the back and not keeping their word. Why would we ever put God on that list? Has he ever lied to anybody? Has he ever failed to do what he said he would do? And so therefore we've got to understand that there are things in the unseen realm that affect the realm that we can see. Uh, in the uh, King James it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The word frame there means to make thoroughly right or to fit, and actually, or to be fit rather, and it also means to be complete. So he goes on to say, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So, so the truth here is that everything we see, including the ages of time that is set into the human existence, the, all of this is made complete because of the utterances of God. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. Over and over again in Genesis 1. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, through faith, through faith in Hebrews 11. This is not a side issue with God. And I've learned this lesson. That if I find out what's important to God and make it important to me, I'm going to be a whole lot better off. I can try to go on my hobby horse. I can try to just follow my, my curiosity. And there may be a time and a place where that's okay. But if I really want to make it in life, I've got to figure out what is important to God and make that a priority for my life. Amen? And so the power of the spoken word of God brought everything you see into existence. The power of the spoken word of God. Now, do you have a Bible? You know there is such thing as a Bible, right? I'm trying, not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm trying to prove an important point. We have access to the Word of God. If the spoken Word of God created the worlds we're living in, do you believe that God's spoken Word could create things again or as needed in the earth? Do you believe that the spoken Word of God could change things in a fallen world? Do you think the spoken Word of God could control certain things in this world? Well, here's the next question. Why aren't you speaking God's word? You know, the word of your boss is not going to change the whole world. Your mother-in-law's opinion. 
I had a good mother-in-law. She's with the Lord now, so I can use her as an example. But your mother-in-law's opinion uh, doesn't doesn't uh, change the whole world, but the Word of God does. The utterances of God change everything that is put to work on that needs to be changed. Only man, no other of, of God's created beings, only man has been authorized to choose and to speak words containing spiritual substance at our will. I want to say that again, try to say it in a way that we can all understand it. Only God, I'm sorry, only man has been authorized to choose and speak words at will, at our will, that contain spiritual substance and power. Birds don't do it. Bees don't do it. I know the song, you know, hey, let's do it. Let's fall in love. Some of you are thinking about the song already. Um, cows, horses, pigs, dogs, even angels are servants. Only you as a human, only mankind was created with such a freedom of will and given such authorization by God that we can actually think Choose and then speak words, whether they bring life or whether they bring death. It's so powerful that Jesus said in Matthew 12, 37, For by your words you will be justified, meaning acquitted or found not guilty. And by your words you will be condemned. That means to pass a sentence. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 18, 21 says death and life. Is in the power of the tongue. You are controlling so much of what's going to happen to you and where you're going to end up with the words of your mouth. You say, but doesn't God have a plan? Yes, he has a plan. And there are certain things he's already said, and we're not going to change them with our words. But there are things in life that are up to you and your words. Your healing and health, your length of life, the quality of your life, your prosperity the way your home operates, your relationships. There's so, so many things. And you've been authorized to choose and speak words that contain power. You see, words are containers. You don't see them. I'm speaking them. You hear my words, but you don't actually see them. But in the realm of the Spirit, if you could see, you could see those words. I know that sounds strange, but in the realm of the Spirit, everything runs by sound. The whole natural world was created with the voice of God, God's utterances. So that means sound precedes sight. Before there was anything to see, there was something that was said. And so therefore, if you don't like what you see going on in your life, if you don't like the scenery you're walking through life in, then you need to change what you're saying. And you see, if this was always easy, everybody would do it. If this uh, was something that everybody just accepted and believed, then more people would do it. But I know from experience, as many of you know, that if you do this and you practice this kind of, of, of uh, approach to the Word of God... You're going to be in a minority. There's going to be a lot of people who just think you're crazy. 
You don't join in the same conversations. You don't uh, agree with everything they say. And what comes out of your mouth is not the status quo. Uh, They start their complaining process. You don't join in. You're questioned about things and you declare what you believe. And it's far out to some people. But I'm telling you, there are people in this room today that could stand here and testify if we had time. And one after another, after another, after another could tell you the power of the faith of God in their life and what the Word of God has done to change them. And, and it's amazing. And once you begin to do these things, you don't ever want to quit. It works too well. Praise the Lord. So, to speak God's words after Him is the greatest authorization that God ever gave to man. That means faith-filled words become our native language. You know, if, if you're from Spain, you speak Spanish. If you're from Russia, you speak Russian. If you're from Poland, you speak Polish. We understand that concept. All the many different languages of the world. Well, what's the language of the new creation? What's the language of a believer? It's the Word of God. It's speaking the Word of God. That's one reason... That we have, for instance, these are not, I'm not, this is not a sales pitch because these aren't something we sell. We give these away. But that's one reason we have things like these uh, love confessions. These financial confessions that usually once a month we, on Sunday morning we all go over these together. And then all these healing scriptures back and front. And I encourage you to use these kinds of things, if, if not exactly these resources, but you need, to, you need to begin to have some saying lists. And like I said some weeks back, you need to have a laughing list. Things you're laughing at. Job said, at destruction and famine, we shall laugh. And, and some of you need to laugh at your debt. Some of you need to laugh at your symptoms. Some of you need to laugh at other circumstances in your life because there needs to be a change there. Something needs to turn around. And so you've got to get bold with this. I'm not done today. I'm going to, I realize I'm going to have to stop. I have more notes than I have time. That's the, the life of preachers. Uh, but I'm telling you, these truths changed my life. They changed our life, Glenna and me, our marriage. They changed our home. They've changed so many lives that are represented here today. And, you know, this is not like uh, some dangerous thing that, you know, if it doesn't go right, your head will explode. Or, you know, if it doesn't go right, you know, you'll end up broke tomorrow. That's not, no, not at all. This is something you can do. This is something you can begin. And I would encourage you, if it seems odd, you've never, you've never practiced this on a regular basis, begin to speak the Word of God. Just find some scriptures that cover what you're believing for. Find some scriptures that deal with the subject that you're most in need of help today and begin to say, just say what the Word says. And then once you're familiar with that Word, you've meditated that Word long enough, then you meditate on it and, and you customize it in the sense you're not changing the, the intent or the gist of the Scripture, but what you're doing is you're making it personal. For instance, Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, you would say, Thank you, Father God, that you supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's the thing I'm talking about. And as you do this, 
the power of God will go to work in your life in a great and wonderful way. Amen? Well, that's enough for today. I've got more to, to share with you, and we'll get there. If Jesus comes before I get to share the next portion with you, then maybe we'll all be in one of those classes I was talking about. And I'm sure it'll be a better teacher than me that'll tell us lots more good things. Amen. Are you ready today to receive communion? Before we do, the Bible teaches us, of course, in the book of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that one of the things we should do in order to receive communion in a worthy manner is to examine ourselves. What does that mean? Well, that means we look at our lives and we see, is there anything that I should repent of? Is there anything that I need to change? Should I ask the Lord Jesus for his forgiveness? And so we do this right now. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me and close your eyes. Just shut yourself in with the Lord. Maybe you've never been saved. You've never been born again. And so today's message to you might just sound almost like somebody was speaking in a foreign language. But the gospel is very simple and very powerful. Jesus died our death. He became what we were so we can be what he is. He became sin with our sins, sick with our sicknesses, cursed with the curse that is due to us. He did it substitutionarily, if that's a word. He took our place. So now, he makes it so simple that he tells us that if we will believe in our heart, that God has raised Jesus from the dead and will confess him, Jesus, as Lord, that we'll be born again. We'll be made a new creation. You say, well, that sounds almost too easy. Isn't that wonderful? All the hard work's been done. It's like somebody working so hard for hours making uh, very meticulous preparations to serve a table with a beautiful meal. And all you have to do is walk in the front door of that house Go into the dining room, sit down, and enjoy the meal. You didn't have to cook it. You didn't have to pay for it. You just enjoy it. Well, that is exactly the way salvation is offered today. Wouldn't it be a shame to die in your sin and go to hell when he's made it so easy? We think sometimes it's too easy because we know what we did. We know what we said. We know what we've been. Well, you know what? God knows too. And he loved you anyway. He loved me anyway. So right now, on either of those things, if you're a believer, you're just examining yourself. If there's something you need to adjust, just do that right now in Jesus' name. Just you and the Lord. And if you've never received Jesus as Savior, just say, Father God, I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe salvation is available to me because of his blood. I ask you to forgive all my sins. I believe Jesus died and I believe that he rose from the dead and I now confess him as my Lord and my Savior and Lord I will serve you the rest of my life I believe you take me in because you promised that if I would come to you you would in no wise cast us out so I believe you take me in and I receive my salvation and I give thanks for it in the name of Jesus Amen